0: Welcome to another episode of 11 Personnel, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm Jordan Rodriguez, your host, and with me is my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing?
1: Doing well, Jordan. I want to know a couple things before we get going. First of all, what have you enjoyed most about uh, being in California? And maybe more importantly, how is your dog Tucker adjusting to the, the big move?
0: You know, I love when you team me up like this because what a pleasant way to start the morning, honestly. Because <laughs> what I love most about being in California is being in California <laughs> <laughs> is um, just you know I I love being near the ocean and I can smell it and it's just just phenomenal. And being in the time zone that I prefer is also nice. You know, I'm I'm just close to all the things I like and and get to drive down the road and it's beautiful day outside. There's no humidity. I mean, it's just the little things, Rich, honestly. So with Tucker, Tucker's has a whole new world of smells at his feet now. Ah, yes. And so we've done a lot of car rides around the neighborhood and, and down the coast just so that he can, as if we haven't spent enough time in the car already, <laughs> just so he can stick his head out the window. And, and he's great because he'll, he'll do this thing where he'll close his eyes and he'll kind of like sniff the air while we're going down um, the highway, especially if we're near water. And you just get this sense that this is a dog who is living his absolute best life, and it's <laughs> its just wonderful to see. Yeah. And um, speaking of our best lives, our optimistic projections of our—you know—what the Rams' offense might look like hedges on whether there's actually a season. And actually training camp, which um, as we know, there are ongoing talks about that matter. And so we hope to have some updates for you guys soon on that. But all things considered, if we're in a vacuum um, and things will move forward as as quote unquote normal, which I think everybody hopes for, because that would mean our society is is back to functioning on some level. We spent some time last week going over the Rams offense, and I think it's now very, very fair to do the same for the defense.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's the, the number of questions we had about the offense. Uh, it, it seemed to be a lot, but I think there's even more about the defense. I mean, every layer, there's there's different questions to ask and, and obviously an entirely new scheme. So uh, a lot of the same stuff, you know, we haven't been able to watch any OTAs. We don't know exactly how these guys are going to line up. We've heard all about Brandon Staley and his multiple fronts, the versatility, everything else. Jordan, I'm really excited. I'm kind of a football nerd when it it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, uh, how that scheme is going to look. So I'm, I'm really eager to see it on the field, and we have a lot to talk about here.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously it all starts with 99, Mr. 99 Club for the fourth straight year. They gave Aaron Donald a necklace this year, EA Madden did that, uh, Madden NFL, I sounded like such a square saying EA Madden, but <laughs> Madden NFL gave him a necklace this year to commemorate Another year in the 99 club. That means for people who are maybe over the age of 35, uh, <clears throat> rich, but anyway, um, oh, <laughs> <just brutal. kidding. laughs> I know you know what it is, but anyway, it's, yes. it's, uh, you're, when you're rating on Madden, it's basically like the highest it can go. Um, I'm still waiting for the first 100 player, but you know, I digress. So Aaron Donald is the life of, of this defense this defense goes as he goes, um, and Brandon Staley, a new de- defensive coordinator coming in, who is a part of the under 40 club, he is, is going to try to scheme him maybe a little bit differently than we've seen in the past, Rich.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know that that entire front there's there's so many options now uh, with with what they can do. You know, bringing in A. Robinson, bringing back Michael Brockers, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day is a guy there who who they really like. So so if you assume there that the that the base is still going to be a three four, and I know <laughs> to say it's a three four defense, I, I know is going to be true only in the the kind of the most simple of terms. But boy, you have a lot of options there. A lot of things that you can do with Aaron Donald and. And I think, you know, we, we've both written about it and talked about it. The entire focus of of that defense, and I think I think really uh, not to uh, put too fine of a point on it, but I think Brandon Staley's entire focus since he since he started taking this job was how do you free up Aaron Donald, how do you get him in the most advantageous situations uh, possible. I remember talking to one of his colleagues, Brandon's colleagues, who he, who he worked with uh, in, in small college ball. Who said, you know, he's, he's already, Brandon's already comparing Aaron Donald to a player he had in division three and like how he used that guy and moved him around. And this was even before Brandon had officially been announced as, mm-hmm. as the new defensive coordinator. So I think he's really excited about that. And I think he really understands that you can do a lot of other things with that defense but your main task the one thing you have to get right is how to put Aaron Donald in those best situations where he can he can best impact the game
0: and you know it's it's such a versatile set of things that you can do with him because no you're not going to line him up off the edge on every single snap or anything like that you're not going to move your best player out of position right However, what you can do is you can mix up your looks and your design. You can change your stunts a little bit so that when guys um, sort of switch back and forth along the line of scrimmage or they rotate in and out, you're, you're giving the offensive line more to think about, which can only be advantageous for you if you do have a guy like Aaron Donald um, either rushing up the middle or around the outside. And you know, I do want to point out that if you have a guy like this, you don't want to just keep him you know in the same spot the entire game you you want to move him um you're not worried about him finding his rhythm basically what you want what you want is for him to be shifty and to um you know align in a, a few different ways and and show different looks so that the offensive linemen across from him are constantly having to adjust and they can't get into them you hear offensive linemen say okay well it takes like 10 10 to 20 snaps to really get used to a rusher a guy like Aaron Donald, it would take more than that. And then if he's moving around, you you just never know. And and part of that also, um, if you're thinking more, it's tougher for you to sort of move in on these double teams that they had done more than other teams had done at a higher rate um, against Aaron Donald than pretty much any other player in the league last year. Um, So that being said, there's, I think this is a really strong front. I think this is a really stout defensive line. They might have, one too many nose tackles, but I think that's okay because of the rotation that they might be wanting to do.
1: Yeah, I, the the versatility there is is something that that's really big to me. And uh, you know, Wade Phillips did a good job with this too. Uh, the, some of the things you were talking about, I remember when when he first came in and he kind of moved the Rams uh, from a four three to a to a three four. And somebody asked him about Aaron Donald, and and Wade is the most gentle, you know, nicest man you, you could ever met. But it was I think it was the only time I really ever saw him get kind of exasperated because his his answer basically was, "Look, Aaron Donald can do anything like." You yeah. don't you don't you don't <laughs> worry about where you're going to line up Aaron Donald. It's it's more about who do you put next to him. And I, I know we'll talk about the outside pass, pass rush too uh, a, a little bit later. But uh, having that that person next to him, whoever it is, uh, I, I think you you want to have that kind of chemistry. You know the Rams had Andomik and Sue with the year that they went to the Super Bowl, and and Sue on his own didn't. Eh, the numbers weren't really great. I mean you you can kind of debate what the overall production was. But, but he was a presence, and he, he was somebody who, uh, talk about those offensive linemen who they had to account for, they had to scheme mm-hmm. for, and uh, I, I'm not saying that any single player that the Rams have right now can do that at, at nose tackle, uh, but they have some options and they have the ability to kind of rotate those guys and keep them fresh. They're all a little bit different with the with the skill sets. Um, so you know I'm interested to see how A Robinson fits in. we've We've seen Sebastian Joseph Day there. We've seen a little bit of Michael Michael Brockers there, although he's primarily been uh, on that other side. but I, I, I'm, I think there's there's some potential with this group. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day is a guy they've been really high on for for the last year or so. Uh, I think he could take another step forward. And then Michael Brockers is interesting. You know, uh, Jordan, a lot of Rams fans kind of get on him uh, because the the numbers, the production aren't isn't necessarily there. But he's a real steady guy. I mean, you don't need him to be putting up double digit double digit sacks every year it would be nice it would be nice but but what you need him is to kind of be that consistent presence uh on that other side and and i there's every reason to think he can continue to be that
0: yeah you know on sebastian joseph day i think he's poised to have a really good season i i keep following along sort of what he's been doing this off season and his workout plan um he if it's possible for a nose tackle to look lean. <laughs> he looks like he's leaned out a little bit. And I think that could indicate that they're trying to use him in a little bit more of sort of these, I don't know, again, you can't really say speed rush if it's not a guy on the outside, but really Aaron Donald on the inside is still a speed rush. So if they're if they are if they're trying to sort of have somebody who can do um, you know sort of be more versatile lineup in a couple of different spots Sebastian Joseph Day seems like a good candidate for that and looks like he's cut cut a little bit weight of weight this offseason and really looks very enthusiastic about the season to begin I really like the combination of Sean Robinson and Michael Brockers. Like you said, you, you don't need these guys to get these crazy sack numbers. What you need them to do is eat space. You need them to um, be solid and stout against the run or force guys lateral so that people on the outside can contain. And you need them to create that sort of, interior push into the pocket that sort of, um, you know, Pac-Mans it. And I like to say that because you, when you think about a a nose tackle at the point of attack, um, you think about a circle and then this nose tackle is supposed to delve into it and cut out a wedge essentially into the pocket And make a Pac-Man. And so I always picture that. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's great. It's so perfect because then at that point you can get into all these analogies about guys eating and all this stuff. But anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you need to have guys who can sort of create that Pac-Man and and sort of make the pocket much tougher to operate in. And Ashawn Robinson and Michael Brockers can both consistently get that interior push, which, again, will help guys like Aaron Donald um, will help these outside rushers. If if the pocket flushes and the quarterback comes to the outside, they can come around the edge and, and contain. And so I think that those, that sort of complementary combination, the fact that these guys all are used to each other and they didn't have to completely start over as well. Um, I think that's important as well.
1: Yeah, I'll throw one more name out there, and it's uh, one of your favorite people, Jordan, the the mountain man, uh, the cutting down trees and bench Greg pressing Gaines. them, Greg Gaines. Interesting, you know, because uh, Greg Gaines uh, this time last year a lot of momentum. I, I you know a little bit of surprise after the draft, he was almost kind of uh, you know knighted or, or you know given this this job that it was almost presumed that he was going to be that. Uh, starting nose tackle and then you know for whatever reason it it just didn't kind of work out like he kind of slipped back down the depth chart so uh, I'm very uh, it's a big year for great gains and I mean he, he's one of those guys who you might not look at him as being a real important guy or necessarily a, a starter or whatever but uh, he, he's he's got to force his way back in there uh, when, when you're talking about those four guys who can who can make a pretty good rotation uh, there's there's really no natural spot for great gains right now but but if the Rams were right about him a year ago. They they thought he had the the potential, the talent to to be part of that rotation. He could play his way back in, also. But but I think he he's going to need to prove it.
0: Gains, bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of you want I know you one of your early favorites, wasn't? It?
0: I know. I was yes. like, so it was so great because um, someone told one of the coaches told me that there was someone who was squatting logs, like had chained up logs, and I was like, what? That that's not real. Like you, right. that's just one of those sort of like off-season legends that yeah, guys always come in. Guys always come in and they're like, yeah, I I did hand drills versus knives and like all this stuff. I was like, logs, no, no way, that's too much. And then I saw a picture of it and I was like, oh my god, right, this, right, like this Paul guy Bunyan. Really I know, he really chained up a couple logs and put him on his squat rack. It was incredible. Anyway, like yeah. that was just to me that just tickled me to that. I was like, what am I doing? I'm in quarantine and I'm like, oh no, I guess I can't work out. And this guy's out right. there cutting down a tree. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I wanna talk about the compliment to all of this interior work and that is edge rushing guys, outside linebackers. Um, if they're in a fourth three, obviously they'd be the combo DNs, but I really, really am excited about Terrell Lewis, and I don't think we can talk about him without also talking about Brandon Floyd, because I think that these two go hand in hand in terms of Brandon Floyd, the veteran, you know, the savvy guy who's been around the block, who um, is looking to sort of revitalize his career. Big, big relationship with Brandon Staley. um, So that's important. The thing is, too, is that Brandon Floyd is probably going to be one of the go-to guys to sort of coach up slash, hey, rookie, here's how to be a pro mentor um, toward Terrell Lewis. And I think that that is really, really exciting. I think that those two will be um, pretty much inseparable this this offseason and this fall because Leonard Floyd, you know, Terrell Lewis has so much upside and so much potential if he can stay healthy and Leonard Floyd... Um, I, I believe he can revitalize his career here, especially some of the things that you hear Brendan Staley wanting to do um, on the outside. I feel like that is they're, they're, his responsibilities are twofold. One, be productive, yes, but two, you now are the mentor in the room, and you're the guy who now can can sort of um, you know coach some of these young guys up. And as we know with the truncated offseason, that's just going to be so important.
1: It's not a straight line comparison here, Jordan. But when I think about Leonard Floyd, I I think about Dante Fowler when he came in. Uh, Just from the standpoint of, I think in both situations, the Rams bought low. On on players who you know had been in a situation where there was a lot of expectations, where it didn't really work out, where their where their original teams kind of soured on them a little bit and and moved on them, and the the Rams were able to come in and uh, you know pick up those guys uh, on you know pretty relatively low salaries, uh, short term deals, things like that. Worked out very well with Dante Fowler, both for the Rams Mm -hmm. and for Dante, as he ended up signing a a very large uh, contract. Now that doesn't always work out. I'm not. Saying that the exact same thing is going to happen, but but I can see what the Rams were thinking there in terms of you know you didn't have a lot of money to spend. Here's our obligatory reference to the Rams salary cap situation. You know you didn't have a lot of money to spend. You you had draft picks that you needed to use in certain areas, so you you go and get a guy like Leonard Floyd, who you you see the talent there, but for whatever reason, maybe he just hadn't put it together, or maybe he was having some problems. You know where he was. The Rams don't make that move, as as you hinted at, Jordan. They don't make that move unless Brandon Staley is confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if he coached that guy and, and doesn't think there's anything there, there's no way that he recommends to to Les Snead, to Sean McVay, that they that they go out and, and get Leonard Floyd. So really intrigued by that. Um, you know, we we can talk about Terrell Lewis. Uh, you know. Uh, Right after the draft, I, I couldn't stop watching his his tape, his mm-hmm. his clips, uh, because uh, the the motor was just ridiculous. So I think they've got some options there, and uh, it, it might take a little bit of time to sort it out, and you might see a little bit more of a rotation there than, than maybe the Rams are used to, but uh, I think there's some potential there.
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, I think you're going to see several rotations, not just because Staley is new, but also... These guys have not had any snaps together yet. And so, um, I think that there are a couple of of guys who will rotate in. You know, I I do believe Terrell Lewis is a starter in this league. I think that he is perhaps one of the biggest steals of the NFL draft. And you know that the Rams think that. I mean, internally they're like, Oh my god, we got this guy. But yeah. you know, it's 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 fair because I think his potential, his upside is just phenomenal. But um, you know, I do also think, you know, that that's going to take time. You just can't go out there and just be the guy immediately, usually outside of the, you know, the top 10, top 15. And so, you know, I, I think that you're going to see a rotation. Um, I think, you know, who I'm going to say is my favorite sleeper for somebody who we're, I think, going to see get a lot of starting reps right away. But I want you to guess. Uh,
1: do I have to run through a door to uh, to tell you?
0: No, you don't.
1: Uh, oh my gosh, this is difficult. Uh, uh, Jakai?
0: No, but close. Oh, no, right. actually, probably not close because right, who up. knows who knows what's going on with Jakai play. But I hope he has a, I hope he kind of emerges because I know he was. There were so many questions about him, um, and you know, maybe it's just the the all of the transactional stuff that happened with him last year, and all of kind of the rumors of just not working out in different places. Maybe some some guys just need a change of scenery, and some guys just need to settle their minds and just find themselves, and and that just happens sometimes. And, and the NFL is such a churn that a lot of times rookies do not have the time to do that. Um, so I'm interested to see what Ja'Kai Polite does. Anyway,
1: who is it? I you, I'm you're, the suspense is killing me. Obo. Oh, Obo. Yes, one of yes. Vinny's favorites too. Our old our we, old friend uh, Vinny Bonsignor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Vinny, great guy, Vinny.
1: A lot of potential there with with Oboe. I know um, couldn't stay on the field just er, early in his career. I mean, just those injuries that through no fault of his own. I think he had that foot injury that that kept him off the field for a long time. But uh, yeah, have you if if you go back and and look at some of the the film when he actually was on the field, that guy can make some plays.
0: Yeah, you know he's got a great speed power combination, and he seems like he's healthy. I've kind of been tracking along his off season and he seems like he's healthy. And it it also seems like they have sort of communicated with him that yes, you are going to be rotating in heavily very much at certainly in the beginning of the year. Nobody really knows what will happen near the end, but this is a guy who sort of now has that experience. He is healthy. He's had a little bit more of that consistency because he's been healthy. And um, I think this is a really great guy to have in at, you know, in your rotation on either side, um, because he can do, he can do more than one thing, but also, um, what a great guy to have in your locker room, especially for some of the young, the young guys coming in.
1: Yeah, they've got a good group there and uh, I know we should we should talk about uh, Samson Abicom, too because mm-hmm. uh, he, he's a guy who's a real kind of hinge guy for me uh, another really good guy just a real a positive presence and and oboe is another one who just you know I, I, whenever I think of him I, I see a you know a smile on his face like he's just one of those guys who's kind of perpetually uh, kind of happy and, and and positive and I'd put Samson in that same uh, category too so so these guys coming in whether you You're talking about a rookie in Terrell Lewis, or you're talking about kind of an an outsider um, in Leonard Floyd. Uh, They're they're coming into a good group here. I think there's going to be some pretty fierce competition. And uh, these established guys... Or semi-established guys in in terms of uh, Samson and Obo, uh, they're they're going to get pushed, and uh, they're they're gonna really going to have to fight for those starting spots or, or even those rotation spots. But uh, I think you want that healthy competition, and, and I think that room is is going to be a really good one to to foster that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, it can't be understated either how much experience Brenda Staley. Brennan Staley does not have play calling defensive play calling experience per se. He has a ton of design experience, which is really, really important um, when you have such pieces. And we'll get to the back end of it as well soon. Um, Design, especially with a group like this that's so versatile in so many spots, is crucial. And so I think that that's something I am most interested in because Brendan Staley coached outside linebackers and he is like so highly spoken of in Denver in terms of how he set guys up to be successful along the front seven and on the outside. And I think that that is really exciting because, um, you put kind of all of this potential in the hands of somebody who has a track record of being very successful in doing this. Um, I think that that's really exciting and I know the Rams are excited about it. Aaron Donald, when we were on zoom with him, uh, you know, I think, God, it was like, must've been a month ago at this point. He was like, Oh, my gosh, I was looking at some of the like some of the new plays and some of the new things. And I was like, all right, I can I can get behind this. I can get into this. And so I think that's that's exciting. You know, they have quite a large hole, though. You have all of this promise along your front and then you get to the middle. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to crap on anybody at all. But it's just it's just a substantial drop off um, because there's so much uncertainty
1: that's the thing. I, it's it's not that the talent isn't there. It's just that you don't know exactly what you have. And, I mean, some people might say the same about outside. I mean, even even guys like Samson and Oboe, I mean, they they haven't really, Proven themselves over over a long period of time. There's question marks about Leonard Floyd. we don't know what Terrell uh, Lewis is going to do as a rookie. So maybe it's a little unfair to those inside guys to say, well, they're they're not uh, established either. But really, there's just there's nobody uh, right now who you can automatically look at and say, yes, that that player absolutely is ready to step in and and be an NFL starter. Uh, it's just not there. I mean, all of these names we're going to talk about. You know, Micah Kaiser. Uh, Traven Howard even players who have been there Troy Reader was a you know almost a full-time starter last year Uh, Kenny Young uh, you know and then the young guys there's potential there but there's it's it's just they're just kind of sitting in the stew right now there's you don't you don't know exactly who's going to kind of rise and and be those guys so so that's Mm -hmm. a little bit scary when when you go into a season just kind of crossing your fingers and and hoping and believing that that Two of those guys are going to step up.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it it's a big loss of Corey Littleton in a in a couple of ways. Um one, you know, he's a homegrown guy that they developed. And I think that's so um that's just such a when you develop a guy up to be in such a key role for you, and then he walks, and it's not, you know, again, obligatory salary cap reference. Like it's not any, it's not anything anybody could have done, right? but it's just it's it's one of those like okay now we now we are starting completely over again right well i think there's some promise here but this person who is going to be at the mic he is going to have to have so many responsibilities not just against the run not just in sort of quote unquote calling defensive plays and making checks and things like that but also there are a couple of Um, players in this league and a couple of coaches who very much like to scheme to attack the middle of the field and have some prodigious talent to be able to do so. And particularly people on their opponents list, even out of their division, um, who love to scheme the middle of the field and have like the prolific tight end who loves to just carve up the middle of the field and and do all of these different things. And so this guy is going to have to cover too. And so it, you know, it's just a lot of responsibility for somebody who is still coming into their own. Um, and we'll get to the, how they're going to help all of that in a minute. But, you know, I do really like Micah Kaiser for some of this potential here. I think that he, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you have in a guy because he just hasn't gotten on the field as much, you know?
1: Absolutely, and I mean, go. I know it, it a year ago seems like forever, and and so much happened during the Ram season. But uh, you know, people should remember Micah Kaiser probably was on track to start last year uh, before he had that major uh, pectoral injury in in training camp. So uh, he just he kind of got forgotten because he didn't play all season, out of sight, out of mind. But he was a guy who they were really high on a, a year ago, and just a, a extremely intelligent person jordan I, I i think you know but he, he won uh, an award in college that's known as the academic heisman which is mm-hmm. i can assure you it was not <laughs> something that i was ever in the running for so that tells you right away that uh, he's an intelligent young man that he should probably be able to handle that stuff uh, that we're talking about the uh, all of the communication and the lineup and that sort of thing. That was one thing, by the way, that Corey Littleton really had to grow into and talk about the you know the, kind of the rise from uh, undrafted free agent to to being a, a Pro Bowler basically. But Corey right. Littleton was a very still kind of is but a very quiet young man. Like did not you did not know what his voice sounded like. It was not natural for him to really be the loud one on the field or anything like that. So I think that maybe comes a little bit more naturally to Micah. And and that'll probably accelerate the the process if he does end up being uh, somebody who fills that spot. But uh, it's not going to be easy to step in. But but I think he has the tools to do it.
0: Yeah, I really really like the prospect of him, particularly how he sees the field and calling out the checks and and communicating in the headset um, with Staley or with the linebackers coach, like whoever, however they have the headsets uh, signed, you know, hooked up because you just don't you just don't know so a lot what a lot of people don't know is on defense the only player who has a mic mic in his headset is the mike linebacker which is funny cuz it's mike and mike but anyway so
1: right.
0: <laughs> you know this is this is the guy who's going to be communicating with the defensive coordinator in some in some way or another in I know in Carolina they did it through the linebacker's coach cuz it was Luke Keekley so it's like basically he's calling the plays by himself <laughs> so right but in this case you know i think what I'm I'm trying to get to in this very long and rambling way is that Brandon Staley, his own coaching experience and his own playing experience was at quarterback, right? And so, first of all, fascinating approach to being a defensive coordinator. Second of all, he's looking for a, quote-unquote, quarterback of the defense who does literally see the field like a quarterback. And I think Micah Kaiser... Absolutely has that potential. I love the detail about the academic Heisman. That is not easy to do. You you have these student athletes who really, let's face it, the school would prefer they be more of an athlete than a student. And he's still racking up these accolades. And people speak so highly of him. And just, you know, I think he's ready for the responsibility. I really do. Um, behind him, behind him, I'm not super sure I think there's so there's a lot of potential there um and I've heard really good things about Traven Howard
1: yeah, talk about a guy who you know the the kind of uh, homegrown player, somebody who you could really kind of uh, get behind, like a uh, Corey Littleton. I mean, uh, Traven Howard, a seventh round draft pick out of TCU uh, two years ago, pick number two hundred and thirty one. You had to wait a long time to hear his name <laughs> called. Uh, but it's it's the, the, the cliche. It's it's not where you go. It's it's what you do with it once once you get there. And uh, you know, not a not a dissimilar rise to to Corey Littleton in terms of. You know, kind of play your way in, make the roster, uh, you know, contribute on special teams, get noticed that way. And then when you do get an opportunity, you you grab it. And that's something that Traven Howard did, especially at the end of last season, those December games where, where he really got into in that rotation, became a big part of it. He was making plays from from sideline to sideline. I mean, I'm not. I shouldn't be too. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to step in and be an all pro, but I mean, from for somebody who really hadn't had much experience at all in in a regular season defense, uh, he was. You noticed him. You know, you you watched the field and you saw him uh, around the ball a lot. So. It's a little bit different when when the expectations are, are higher or when you you know when you have to do it every week when you're a full time starter. Uh, but but I think the skills are there, and uh, that I think it's a real intriguing kind of uh, complement b- between him uh, and Micah Kaiser in in terms of what they can do. So I, I'm really excited to see what uh, Traven Howard can do, kind of get, potentially given a bigger role.
0: Mm-hmm. There, you know, behind those behind those two. Troy Reader has potential but there are some concerns with him in terms of um just some inconsistency. You know, the dude can really hit and I think that's important if you're playing a little bit closer to the line or if you're in run support. I think that that's that's obviously key and then Clay Johnston, you have to see how he comes back from that year-long knee injury that he suffered at Baylor, but like, you know, I I do have some experience with Clay Johnston. I sat down with him for quite some time at the combine because I was covering the Panthers at the time and Matt rule from Baylor had just come in and Phil snow and literally everybody that Matt rules ever met in his life. He hired for his staff. <laughs> and so, and, and including clay Johnston's dad, who is now the new strength coach with the Panthers. I say this to, to indicate that clay Johnston knows how to recover from an injury because literally his it's in his family how to properly take care of your body. So I'm less concerned maybe about him recovering from an injury than I would be, um, maybe your average NFL player, because he's, he's being provided, not just all the tools from the Rams, but also from his own background and understands how to do these things. Um, and he also is crazy smart. And I think that that's, the potent the development potential here. Like I don't think that Clay Johnson's gonna see the field very much his rookie season, but I think the development potential here is really important. And that's really the Rams are starting to like have this new, very new tradition of um finding these guys in later rounds and trying to develop them up. Now, you can't always let them walk once they get really good, <laughs> but finding these later round guys and And really developing them up. I think that's exciting. I think that's an exciting trait to carry on the inside. And it's particularly helpful when you, first of all, have two experienced safeties who are pretty good when they're playing tight, like closer to the line, um, and Taylor Rapp and John Johnson. So you're already sort of clogging the problem areas in that way. And then also you have Jalen Ramsey, we'll get to in a second, where you're going to have him shifting inside to help. Um, in a lot of these sort of adverse situations where there's a mismatch. So, um, you know, that being said, because you have those guys sort of orbiting around the inside linebacker spot, you have a little bit of a, of a, of a cushion essentially in which these guys can develop without having to do too much too quickly.
1: I, that's such a great breakdown, Jordan, and I, I think that's that's Thanks, very Rich. true. Yeah, hey, I, I should just stop. <laughs> I, I I can only screw it up by by commenting more on it. But 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 I I agree uh, very much, and and I think maybe that mitigates. I'm, I'm not saying that that means inside linebacker is not important, but but the fact that you're able to support those people. Uh, I, I think is, is critical and maybe puts more of the emphasis back on, like we were saying, just the, the communication aspect of it. You know, you, you want somebody there because so many of these guys are going to be moving around and all over the place and, you know, pre-snap adjustments or and everything else. Like the, the one thing you really want from, from that mic spot is uh, to be able to communicate and make mm-hmm. sure that people are going to be moved around. Now, you know, last year, Guy like Eric Weddle when when he was healthy he was able to do uh, a lot of that just kind of inherently because of his experience he could he could he could move guys around and and help out Corey Littleton and that sort of thing so mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether the Rams exactly have that right now because those those safeties are pretty young um, but uh, having a guy like like Micah Kaiser in the middle who can communicate well and be very intelligent on the field is is going to help and yeah it's just those guys are going to be all over the place Jordan and that's why. It's, it's going to be so much fun to watch, I think, just to watch every snap and, and kind of track uh, where these guys are, are are lining up.
0: I know that's exactly what I'm looking forward to doing for one one of the games, probably like in the middle of the season, as they've sort of established what their rotation is, is tracking how many shifts there are and tracking how many guys yeah. are, are, are what fans like to say, playing out of position, but really it will just be... <laughs> Playing in your second or third or fourth position for the Rams, and so I think that's that's really exciting about Staley, and that is something that you're going to also see so much of in the secondary. Which I think, you know, the Rams are in in Hollywood. I don't understand how they're not getting more hype. Really, I mean, the, the I get the the they took a step back last year, but but this group, this secondary, I mean, this is a very very good secondary.
1: It is, and it's kind of weird to say that because there's been so much—I don't want to say instability—but there's been mm-hmm. so much movement. Well, there has been. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you look at it from a year ago, and uh, you know, Akib Talib gone, Marcus Peters gone, Eric Weddle gone, Nikkel Roby Coleman gone. Like, how can you take four people out of that secondary and, and then say, "Wow, this is a, a great secondary"? But uh, there's a lot of options there. I think there's a lot of versatility. And the other thing I think is there's so much there that can still get better uh, when some of these guys who I know we're going to talk about, you know, Jalen Ramsey is is probably at the top of his game, uh, but, but he's certainly in his prime right now. And, and then you're talking about other cornerbacks like Troy Hill and Darius Williams, they can get better uh taylor rapp showed a lot last year he can get better Uh, john johnson probably you know entering his prime years he's been a very good contributor but there's Mm -hmm. probably even a little bit more that that he can give so i think what you're looking at here is a group that that's already pretty good uh but but there's the potential for them to be even better
0: yeah, how can you elevate? That's the main question here with them. And I think it's similar to the receivers group. Like, how can how can you elevate an already solid group into being more? And so Staley, it sounds like has some some ideas about this and, and a lot of it predicates around where Jalen Ramsey's gonna be on the field. Um people I have seen in my Twitter mentions um, and no judgment, but people have been like, (laughs) don't move your best player. Okay. But that's, that's such a backwards way of, of looking at what you can do with somebody. Like if a quarterback's not throwing to Jalen, move him to the place where the quarterback is throwing. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's, (laughs) and that's, Obviously oversimplifying it, but really, I mean, they they see so much possibility with Jalen where, yes, he's still going to be the number one corner. Yes. When he comes up against um, these these premier receivers and now, you know, is going to be able to go against hop like with the Cardinals, you know, the guys like that. Yes, he's going to be he's absolutely going to be. Traveling with this guy, you know, like there's no question about that yet. He's not going to leave DeAndre Hopkins open on the field. Right. Um, However, some teams, their number one receiver, and I'm talking specifically about San Francisco who they'll see twice Um, some teams like number one, quote unquote receiver, quote unquote, is, is their tight end and teams have a really tough time guarding the tight end because it's a mismatch usually against a defensive back. When you have someone as physical as George Kittle is you, and and he's, he's playing less on the outside where the quote unquote outside corner usually is, um, you know, or, or where the quote unquote, the X receiver would line up. Um, the tight end is not playing there. And so you need somebody who can move inside if necessary to guard those. And that's not even to say Seattle just grabbed Greg Olson. Right. Like, like th- there are some prolific – Tampa Bay has Gronk and 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 a big, big receiver in Mike Evans. You know, you, you're going to have to move your number one corner because because your number one corner can do so many different things. He is not – necessarily a big mismatch against a big tight end like George Kittle or like Greg Olson. He's not a mismatch against, um, you know, a Gronkowski. He's actually able to hold his own against those guys and knows how to play the slot and did so at Florida State. So really, Jalen Ramsey is in charge of a large area of coverage. And at that point, point, um, and first of all, why the hell not? Like, why wouldn't you do that if you have a guy who's able to do those things? And, and go where needed, essentially. Like, why wouldn't you do that, first of all? So it's great to hear that they're doing that. And second of all, you have enough corners who can, like, solidly man the outside positions if he does move inside that you, you'll you be okay.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, to me, This that kind of informs why they moved on from Marcus Peters. And it. I'm not... Going to turn this into a, a dump on Marcus Peters' uh, conversation because he, he does a lot of things. He has ex- extraordinary ability in in what he does, but but the, specifically these things that you're talking about that that I think are really important. I don't know whether that was the the perfect hand glove fit for the for the Rams' defense. I mean, uh, Marcus was maybe not a guy who was as comfortable as as some other uh, you know top cornerbacks in in doing that traveling or, or playing different schemes. Teams, whatever it might, I you know. I'm, again, I'm not trying to diminish Marcus's skills. He's a great cornerback, but but you can see why Jalen Ramsey fits better uh, with with some of these things that that we're talking about. And Jordan, I think it's it's very specific. It's it's a smart, practical thing to do because you know, just just look at it down the line. What's the goal? The goal is to make the playoffs, right? How Mm -hmm. do you make the playoffs? You probably, even if they're expanded, you you have to at least finish in the top three in in your division, right? You're playing in arguably the toughest division in the NFL and within that, you're facing offenses. You're t- facing the San Francisco offense. You're facing a Seattle offense that, like you said, is just evolving now with the, with a new weapon. Uh, an Arizona offense that is just starting to to take off. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a smart, practical thing by by Sean McVay and Brandon Staley to just say, "Hey, you know what? Let's look at what's in front of us." And let's say, how do we counter that? How do we fight that? And uh, I don't know how exactly it'll shake out, but, but I do think, Jordan, like you said, they have those other options uh, to where I think they feel comfortable moving Jalen Ramsey around. And I, I know we want to talk about some of those guys probably mm-hmm. uh, also.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, I think this is a way. When we talked earlier about elevating, I think that's a way that they do this: is is moving people um, to contain and to lock down certain areas of the field because um, there are some cases where you have uh, like, and I'm going to go back to the DeAndre Hopkins example. There are some cases where you have a number one receiver of that caliber, and so you scheme for a player, right? Um, but there are other many more cases where you scheme for, okay, we have to lock down this area because this is the general area that they're targeting the most. And so when you have people who can rotate through a move and all of this stuff, I think that it's, that's how you kind of elevate is if you, you start looking at it, um, as a more fluid concept of where these, these guys have to be at any time. And so on the outside, like you said, there are, there are a ton of guys who can, who let's say Ramsey Jalen shifts, you know, at that point, I think, you know, you still have Troy Hill who I believe will start alongside Jalen um, and who is like quietly getting his flowers this off season. Honestly, I mean, you're seeing, you know, our, our guy, Doug Ferrar, who's just does great work um, over at football wire. He is um, really studying Troy Hill this off season and found that he was, um, I believe it was the ninth best corner in the NFL last year in zone and um, he finished among the top ten in corners um, in terms of you know overall overall stats and overall coverage. And I think that's that's something that's really positive to build on for for Troy, who's who's lacked that consistency at other parts of his career. Um, and I really and this is another Vinny Bonsignor shout out. I really like Darius Williams too. And both of these guys can come in. Let's say Jalen does shift inside. Both of these guys can come in on the outside, and then when Jalen's on the outside, um, and probably Troy on the other side, and Darius Williams, they're competing, and that's great. You want that. You you want people making each other better. I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, and and I think there's there's a good um, there's a good feeling with the with those guys too. I mean, Troy is a good uh, team guy. You know, Darius Williams is a guy who you you mentioned. You know, Vinny and I remember. You know, early on in training camp when I hadn't been going on very much. You know, Vinny's like, "You got to You got. You know, look out for Darius Williams." And I'm looking. And I'm like, "Are you like really this five nine guy who you know isn't you know doesn't does have nothing uh, you know undrafted and, and everything else?" And then you start watching him and you go, "All right, there's something there." Um, so, so I think the, what you're what you're looking at here with with him and Troy specifically. Those guys are really motivated. I mean, Troy's been around for a while, but he's still—I mean, all these years later, he's still kind of looking or trying to trying to grab that that starting spot and and really show that hey, I can be a, a number one or, or a starting corner in the in the NFL. And I think this is as close as he's ever been to to being able to grab that. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of feel like everything's lining up for him. And uh, we'll, we'll see if he can take advantage of it. But yeah, if you. You have that depth and you're the Rams. You've you got to take advantage of it. And, you know, obviously they have other options in the slot too. We, we could talk about David Long and, and, you know, where he might line up. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the guys they just drafted, you know, uh, Terrell Burgess could uh, maybe play his, his way in there too. So uh, options are good. Options yeah. are, are excellent. And uh, maybe it takes some time to sort it out. But, but when you have that, that number of people you can use, that's, that's never a bad thing.
0: Yeah, and and to be clear too, you don't need to move Jalen Ramsey into the slot if it's a smaller receiver who's being managed by David Long or Terrell Burgess. Like you don't need to move Jalen at that point. You can if you're in a smaller nickel package, you don't need to just say okay, we're a nickel. Jalen, you're you're the nickel because that will be specifically Jalen would match up um, against the larger, more sort of prolific receivers who do move inside. I mean, even number one receivers like Larry Fitzgerald, uh, had in the past who played so many of his snaps out of the slot, um, it would be helpful to have Jalen Ramsey in the slot at that point. Right. Um, but, but, you know, in the case of, you know, it's your, it's your number two or your number three, um it's no less of a responsibility, but you don't have to have Jalen Ramsey inside because he'll be on the one on the outside, if that makes sense. And so when people think, Oh my God, they're moving Jalen Ramsey to nickel. That's not actually true. He is situation. He's going to be in situational coverage. And really that's the best way you could say it. You could say he's a big nickel, which is what they called it. You know, when I was in Carolina, they called it the Buffalo package. Um, They call it all sorts of things here. You, You don't, you don't need to necessarily label it. He's just going to be in situational coverage, right? Like he's just going to, that's what he's going to be. I really like David Long and Terrell Burgess. I like the comp- the, um, the competition that's going to come at specifically at the sort of quote unquote regular nickel position. I think that's really exciting. And I think that they've got, like we talked about before, I think they've got a pair of really, really solid safeties on the roster.
1: Yeah, it's it's a big year uh, for for both of those guys. You know, John Johnson uh, coming up on free agency, and uh, on the on the flip side of it, Taylor Rapp, you know, got a, got a taste of it last year. Uh, played a played a big role. I, I think uh, maybe maybe even bigger than than people expected at the start of the season. So a lot of potential there. Uh, uh, John Johnson, you can't understate you know how big of a year it is for him. And and the thing there is. I, I don't want to scare Rams fans because I know John's a really popular guy and and he's done an extraordinary job since since coming in. But if you look at one position where the Rams have have not been shy, I guess about letting players mm-hmm. walk, it's safety. You yeah. look back even to when they made the move from. Uh, from St. Louis, and you know, going back to Rodney McLeod and and TJ McDonald going out. Uh, Cody Davis was there for a while. Lamarcus Joyner. Uh, obviously Eric Weddle only there for one year or so it seems to be a, a position under under less need e- even going back to Jeff Fisher where they, they kind of think that uh, you know maybe they don't have to pay as much to, to be quite frank about it um, so whether or not that continues with John Johnson I, I don't know but Regardless of any of that, he he's, is a very, very important part uh, of this defense. I, I think he um, had a pretty good rapport with, with Taylor Rapp back there. I think that developed pretty well as the season went along. Taylor, as you would expect, you know, some consistency issues here and there, but he was a very young guy, you know, playing, playing a pretty big role. So I, I think the potential is there for the two of them to be pretty strong together. I just don't know how long the partnership's going to be together.
0: Yeah. And that's tough. Like you, you, you hope that they break that cycle at some point. Um, John Johnson, I think would be a great candidate to break that cycle again, though. We talked about this on another podcast it kind of depends on how much you free up with a restructure of Aaron Donald and how much of that goes to Jalen Ramsey. So we will see, but you know, I like the tandem. Um, I would say that if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's taught us to enjoy the day we're in and enjoy the ground underneath our feet. And I would say approach enjoying the two safeties. The Rams currently have on the roster in the same way, because um, everything is fleeting and that very much includes the Rams getting rid of safeties. Um, anyways. so <laughs> Okay. We did not do a separate piece on kickers uh, because I wrote in the beginning of the spring, pretty much all there was to write about a kicker competition. And we know specialists, we know, you know, Hecker will be back and is like the style back there. Um, the Rams are bringing in three, have brought in three different guys for a kicking competition that has <laughs> thus far been all virtual
1: yeah I, so yeah <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you virtually compete for, for a job i don't really understand it but yeah. uh yeah it's uh you know they made a big swing uh getting rid of greg zerline and and everybody knew that but um boy I, I don't know I, I guess you can still kind of socially distance uh, you know have a have a kicking competition but uh, but that is going to be a big part of it and uh, I, I think it, I think it's fun I, I, I kind of get into these you know kind of kicker competitions and uh, and see who's gonna come out I don't know what do you think Jordan these guys are all so different I mean their their backgrounds their experience levels uh, you, you really couldn't put together a trio that that's that's really that much different.
0: I know it's so fascinating to me. So you have these guys who are so different, that you have such a truncated time in which to evaluate them. But I have to tell you, I thought this in the spring and I think this now, especially as he opened up about sort of the technicalities. So um Liram Hirulahu, and I wanna say that again so that people know, Hirulahu.
1: I'm glad you did that one.
0: Yeah. I was like Rich, Rich is letting Rich is letting me take this one. That's great. So yeah, Liram, you know. Yeah, Liram, that guy, yeah. Um, so he obviously came from, um, the CFL where the rules are so different. And like he was talking about kicking in this (laughs) 40 mile an hour crosswind. And he still was one of the best kickers in the CFL for a long time. And so I really think he's got the edge here. I really loved how he talked about the craft of kicking. Um, he's got the mental part down and, You know, the Rams really, really liked him. He kicked for them before the pandemic uh, started shutting down everything at a regional combine in Arizona. Um, This is a guy who, who just was really happy in the CFL. He liked being in the CFL. And finally, he and his agent got together and were like, should we try? Like, should we go for the NFL? Like, should we do that? <laughs> and so then they, <laughs> and then they did. And so um, I think you know I, this is not to take away from the other guys, um, Sam Sloman and Austin McGinnis, but I I really think that Haruluhu has the advantage here, not just the experience, but sort of kicking in such adverse situations. Um, I think that gives him an edge, especially when you are really facing crunch time right now and, and sort of setting yourself apart. So, so I like that. Um, you can probably stash one of these guys on your practice squad because you're not going to, there's no way you're going to have enough time to truly evaluate them through whatever we're going to have, um, available in, you know, for training camp. So you're probably going to stash one of them on your, on your practice squad and hope that another team doesn't, like your, your practice squad kicker enough to sign them. And then they turn out to be fantastic. Like you just kind of hope that they're only fantastic for you. So, um, so I think that that's probably what we're going to see. I think they'll keep two and one of them will go on the practice squad. But again, I I do think Harulu has the edge and, um, you know, I would advise people go back and, and listen to his zoom availability with reporters this spring. Um, let me check when it was, it was in early May. And just listen to him talk about his craft. I think that he was—he's so um, artistic about it, and I think that's—that's that's interesting. Kickers often are such different personalities, and for Herulu, who he kind of approaches it as like this is—you know, this is almost—I'm—I'm I'm almost like painting, if that makes sense. Like the attention to de- the attention to detail, but the sort of appreciation of. The range and the variety that you can that you can come upon um, here, and so I think um, I just think he's really interesting. I know I know Sloman's the draft pick and everything, so might have the advantage there, but um, but I really do think I mean kicking into a forty mile an hour crosswind and still being like kicking in in the snow in a snowstorm in Canada. In, a, in an open stadium, I mean, I think you have an advantage there, personally.
1: <laughs> no, I, I've been to some of the places where he's played. I've been to Edmonton. I've been to Calgary in the winter. And it is, it is not for the the faint of heart. I can definitely tell you that much. But uh, I agree with you, Jordan, just in, in terms of you know the kicker position. You're never going to be perfect, right? I mean, every kicker has their their moments where uh, things go wrong. Maybe you go through a little slump, but where where I think that uh, you know Liram uh, where where he has the <laughs> the advantage is he does, he's older. He has that experience. Like you said, mm-hmm. he's really kind of a student of this whole thing. If if you're looking for somebody who maybe isn't going to get phased as much, who's going to kind of be able to deal with the with the ups and downs, especially in a weird season uh, I I think he has the edge there because he's a guy who's who's probably not going to be phased as much as as a younger guy like the other two so maybe talent wins out maybe one of those other two guys just comes in and and makes it clear uh, that uh, they need to be uh, the one on the field but uh, when you just have them all lined up on paper right now uh, I think I'd I think I'd go with Mr. CFL
0: yeah and you know one thing that you guys can count on is I will absolutely be standing there with my with my notepad checking off uh, all of the makes and all of the misses. Now, the other thing is the NFL has released these rules that um, are incredibly archaic where I actually will not be allowed to tell you where somebody is lined up on the field. And so I'm going to have to figure out, oh, and I'm not allowed to tell you what people are saying (laughs) as they are on the field, which I hope the Rams are a little bit flexible on. I know the Panthers were not, but, you know, I hope the Rams are a little flexible because you can get some of your some of the best stuff. Fans will not be able to really interact with these guys as much. So this is, you know, I. I would like to be the conduit to that and say, like, okay, here's what people are really feeling and thinking and doing. Um, and I hope they're a little lax on that. I'd like to I'd like to calculate kicker makes and misses. And I feel like what if one of the coaches Maybe missed count that day. I can help, right? So this exactly. is this is this a win win. This is a win win fact- for everybody. Yeah, I think we so. should just
1: come up with kind of a code. Like, let's right. just come up with a code on the podcast where we have certain words that you know people can play along at home. Right. And, uh, exactly. they, they can they can decipher it. So I, I exactly. hope the, I hope the Rams don't hear this. <laughs>
0: Guys, now would have been a great time to stop listening. (laughs) Um, Well, Rich, I love doing these things with you. I think they're so fun. Um, For everyone who's subscribing thank you thank you thank you um for those who are coming across us for the first time which we got a great mention from somebody who did come across us for the first time and and said nice things so thank you to that person and um you can subscribe through our page on the athletic you can find us on pretty much anywhere you get your podcast um you always get a deal if you subscribe to us through the athletic um and follow us on twitter at Rodrigue at rich hammond We are so um, grateful to continue to be bringing you 11 personnel, especially when we don't really know what's going to happen with football um, the next couple weeks. But we hope you've enjoyed our position analyses. And, Rich, thanks as always for being on.
1: Uh, Fun times, Jordan. Looking forward to a great season with you.